Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Hello, Jess. We're so glad to have you on the podcast. Hey, I am excited to be here. (laughs) Awesome. Well, would you mind just telling everyone a little bit about you and then we will just kind of dive in and start talking about all things divorce and co-parenting? Sounds great. So as you said, my name is Jessica Frew and I always say I'm a wife, ex-wife, mom, stepmom, and a bold action taker. Um, And I got those titles. (laughs) I'll tell you how I came to those. So I was married to my first husband for seven years. Um, About two years into our marriage, he came to terms with the fact he was gay. And we started processing and working through that. Um, And then ultimately, we ended up getting divorced. We did have a daughter five years into our marriage. So she was about two when we got divorced. Um, And we kind of decided when we got divorced how we wanted our divorce to look. We had been shown like one side of divorce. You always hear about the angry, bitter, um, resentful divorce. And that was really something that we did not want. So we kind of created the way we wanted our divorce to look going through that. Uh, And then I was divorced for about two years and I got remarried. So pretty quick in between. And I've been remarried now for eight years. I have two stepkids. Uh, My daughter is 11 and my stepkids are 13 and 14. So we've got them all close together there. Um, And at this point, I... uh, my husband and ex-husband and I are all very good friends um, to the point that we co-host a podcast together as well um, called Husband Law. And my ex-husband actually now works for my husband in the last year that kind of came about. So we are very close. We get along um, and kind of figured out how to make co-parenting work for us. And on the flip side of that, I always like to let people know that we have the other extreme of co-parenting as well. With my husband's ex, we have more of a high conflict situation and have figured out how to make that work as well. So we understand that not everybody can have the co-parenting relationship that we put out there, but we also get that sometimes it looks very different and far from ideal. Um, But that doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just different. (laughs) Your your story, it's just like, we find your story so compelling. It's like... (laughs) So interesting. Like when most of the time when people are like, oh yeah, like these milestones have happened to me and it's just kind of like in a different manner in which they talk about it. But I really feel like bold action taker is a great describer for you because you're like, <laughs> we did this and then we did this and we did this and this is where I am. It's, it's really inspiring because it sounds like you and your ex-husband and, you know, your current husband, it's like you guys really took a proactive approach to this whole experience. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't, you know, whenever I share this story in the brief little time, I'm like, it wasn't this 
easy as I'm making it sound (laughs) or as graceful or any of those things, but um, it was very intentional. We did put a lot of intention into it and have been very, as you said, proactive in creating what we were hoping for um, and have been lucky enough that we have both stayed that course. I mean, we've been divorced for nine, over nine years now and um, have are still where we were hoping to be. So fingers crossed we keep keep going down that road. I wanted to ask you, I think, well, I see clients often who are kind of struggling with that decision of taking that step towards divorce. Mm-hmm. And so if we can go back to when you were in that place, how did you guys, it sounds like it was Uh, maybe a mutual decision or one where you kind of got to a point where it was like, we need to do this differently. And you decided to get divorced. So can you kind of talk to us about how you got to that decision, what that decision-making process looked like for the two of you and how you, like you said, got to a point where you wanted to co-parent in a healthy way and have it be as good of an experience for you both as it could be. Yeah. So um, we actually, our marriage ended after Steve had an affair. So there was infidelity involved. Um, I mean, he we had obviously been very open about the fact he was gay with each other. Nobody else really knew in our lives. We had one other couple friend that knew. Um, and Steve's mom knew about a year before we ended up getting divorced. But we had really come together and Steve was kind of getting more and more where he was accepting that side of himself because he was very much not okay with um, leaving this life that he always wanted. He always wanted to have a wife and kids and have a family. And he just never let himself go to this other place. But it was very hard for him to try to conform to our marriage and stay in that. Um, Even though we were very happy and had a great relationship, he felt like he was suppressing the side of him. So once he had the affair, we really fought hard for a while to make it work. But um, he he just couldn't come back to the marriage is how I kind of think of it. He very much was still torn about what he wanted at that point. He had opened up this side of himself that he really wanted to explore and embrace. Um, and I couldn't fault him for that. I watched him fight for years to conform into what he thought his life should look like. And I watched as it tore him apart. And so when the affair happened, he was like, I don't want this. I want to stay married. And we really tried to work through that and to keep that as as what we were going towards. But he was still in contact with the guy he had the affair with. Um, he wasn't attracted to me anymore. And that was really devastating for me and hard to work through. Um, and so ultimately... We came to this point where we're like, we something's got to give. Like we are emotionally so strung out trying to figure this out. Nobody knows that he's had the affair. Um, we're in a new city. We had just moved to a new city. Nobody, we didn't know anybody. And so there was not any support. Um, and ultimately, we at that point, we decided, okay, it's going to be best for our emotional well-being, for our daughter, for all of us, if we end our marriage. And so I, I left, I drove, we were in Oklahoma and I drove home to Boise. Um, 
And it really started this process of rethinking what our relationship would look like because we both still loved each other and um, were sad and mourning the fact that this relationship was not going to be what we had hoped it would be. And on top of that, <laughs> Penny's dad is going to be very different than the man I'd married and decided to have a kid with. Like it's, I, he isn't, he's the same man, but it's just a different new reality of what that looks like. Um, so we had a lot of conversations of how does this look for us? How do we reform our relationship? What does that relationship look like? And it, it, it was a lot of grace given during that time of <laughs> this is what I'm feeling. And how do we, you know, work through that and then show up for each other on this other side in this in the new way that our relationship is going to look. That sounds like such a journey, especially from your like your ex-husband's perspective. But what was that like for you early on in that? Like I'm just thinking about like, oh, wow, like that must have felt really heavy. Yeah, um, it, it was made easier by the fact that I knew he was gay a couple years into our marriage. So I knew I was choosing to stay in a marriage that could possibly end. I was choosing to have a child with somebody that could decide he could decide to leave me and so I had kind of processed little bits and pieces along the way although I never really thought we would end up divorced because we had such a good marriage um so there was a lot of trying to figure out what I was scared of moving forward what what scared me about being divorced and what were the things I didn't want and what did I want um there was a lot of running <laughs> I remember calling my parents sometimes and being like, hey, I just need to drop my daughter off at your house. Can you take Penny? And they're always like, yes, bring her up. We will take her. Um, and I would go for long runs just to process through what I was feeling. And there was also a lot of time spent catching people up. I felt like I had to take time. And honestly, some of it was kind of a cool experience to be able to catch people up to where we were at of how I processed the fact that my husband was gay and living in this very conservative Christian community, how I help them process that as well. How do they love somebody that maybe doesn't fit into what they thought was okay or appropriate? Um, and so there was a lot of talks with family and friends about what I was feeling and and therefore, I had to know what I was feeling and what I wanted. And I realized one of my biggest fears in going into this was not that my life was changing or not what I'd hoped it would look like, but really, how does this look for my daughter? She's two. This will be her reality her whole life, basically. And what do I want for her? And my one thing was, I don't want to, her to be at all of the big events in her life any big event that's important to her that she wants her parents at supporting her. I don't want her to be worried about what's going on with us. I just want her to feel loved and supported. Um, I didn't want to be those parents that at graduation, she's freaked out because both her parents are there or she has to split time on, on holidays, even as an adult, because her parents can't get along. Um, if she chooses to get married, I don't want, I don't want there to be conflict. I want her to enjoy, um, and so that was a really big priority for me of how do I let go of any of the feelings of resentment and anger and bitterness? How do I work through those and heal from those so that we can have this relationship? Uh, and that was the priority. And really what I focused on during our divorce, I remember I came home and I was like, okay, I, I have to get a job. That's what 
single moms do is they go get jobs. And I had a college degree and I started applying for jobs and I got offered some great jobs, some awesome opportunities, and I just could not do it. I was like, you know what? The money to me at this point isn't worth it. And I'm just going to figure out the best I can as to how to make this work. And I was very lucky in that, that I was able to figure that out. I worked, I watered plants in a hotel once a week and made like $120 there and um, worked one shift a week at a restaurant for three hours and sewed at home to make things work. But it was really to protect my emotional health so that I could process things in a way that felt right to me, that worked for me. And that was what I wanted. And and I could still be home with my kid. I really wanted to be home with her when she was itty bitty. So I made it work. I figured out a way that looked different from whatever else I was told it should look like and made it work. Um, I dated guys who gave me so much crap for that. Like, why don't you just go get a real job? And I'm like, we're done. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is later. what's important. <laughs> yeah, this is what's important to me. And if you can't see or understand that and you're placing judgment on me, then then that's not going to work for me either. As you're talking about this, it I think it's very apparent how much you love them, like how much you love your ex-husband and your daughter and just trying to do right by them, like the foresight of not wanting to put your daughter in that position. I mean, I've, I've worked with many teens who are feeling that, with mm-hmm. the, who are constantly worried about their divorced parents, you know, being in the same room. And I think for some people that is just going to be how it is. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, you were thinking that way, like early on. And do you feel like having that mindset, like, helped you move through what you were facing? A hundred percent. Because I knew that I could damage our relationship right then. Steve was already feeling so much shame around what he had done and who he was that it would have been so easy for me to take that and crush our relationship. And so I knew I needed to be sensitive to him in that because I ultimately wanted to have a good relationship with him. I ultimately wanted him to trust me and talk to me and all of those things. And so I was very aware of what went on. Now, that's not to say that I didn't express myself and I didn't show up for myself and say, hey, I need some space here at times. Like, I am not okay. I need to process these feelings. I don't want you, I don't want to put it on you, um, but I'm going to take some time. So let's not engage for the next couple of days or whatever so that we could create that healthy relationship. It was very intentional from the beginning because I knew that's what I wanted. Now, we do have that relationship on the other side where my stepkids are not comfortable being in the same room with their parents. And that is pushed on them very often. And so there's times when we've learned that, you know what, my husband really wants to be at something and it's going to be better if he just doesn't show up. And not that he doesn't show up to stuff. He's there for the sporting events. He's there for all of the really important things. But there are times that he's like, you know what? This one isn't worth it. It's too intimate of a setting. The kids are just going to be so uncomfortable. And so he's made that a point to not show up. And there are plenty of things that I thought I would be showing up for that I'm like, I'm not there because it just adds a layer of conflict and tension for the kids. 
It's not that I don't want to be there. It's not that I'm not supportive. And the kids know that. They know that, you know, this is easier for them because we've done this, because we've set those boundaries in place. Um, and and sometimes that's heartbreaking and it's taken a long time to get there, but it's also so much better for our kids. And so it's like, I could make this about me that, oh, I don't get to be there and I should be there, but that's not what's important. What's important is that these kids get to feel some peace in the things that are important for them and figuring out how to make that work. And it's not that we get in big fights when we see the ex-wife or whatever, uh, but just the less involvement, the better. There have been big fights. And so it's better to create a safe space for those kids at this point. Yeah. I, I love how you're explaining that because I am a product of divorce and I kind of have uh, what you're describing mm-hmm. or when I grew up, that's what it was. I remember discussing it with my mom later on in life and being like, wasn't it weird for you when, you know, my dad would show up and then she was like, no, it wasn't weird for me at all. But I was like, oh, it was terrible for me. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. So it's, so it's, it, that's really clicking because it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's not fights or anybody's doing anything inappropriate, but there's an energy shift. And mm-hmm. as a child, you just like, you feel that and you experience that. You feel responsible for that. You want to make yep. it go away. And so I think your point of, I could make this about me, but I'd mm-hmm. rather make it about our kids. And I yeah. think that is, that's a real, cause most of the time as I, I imagine in co-parenting, it's like, what am I going to do? What's he thinking? What are we going to do together? But stepping out of that and then taking the perspective of your child, I think takes a lot of emotional intelligence, which you clearly have. Not everybody does, but I think it takes a lot of intentional energy to step into that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so did that, it seems like that is one of the things that helped you because when you're like, I had to figure out how to deal with my resentment and my bitterness and, and just that like probably overall feeling of like, this is so unfair, you know, like I've tried so hard. This is what I want for myself. So you feel like focusing on the children, focusing on the finish line to where you, what you wanted things to look like helped you process those emotions. For sure. It, it really helped me get through them and be able to understand why I needed to heal them. And it's not that I just shoved them down or ignored them. I embraced them and thought, okay, where is this coming from? And why do I really feel this way? And is this something I really want to carry for much longer? Do I want to be here? Uh, and ultimately, no, I don't. I think it's important to feel my emotions and understand where they're driving me to. But and, and this cause behind them, because often it is from fear or from something that's, you know, we've learned in our past that's triggering this emotion. And so I think it's important to feel those and embrace those, but also to not sit in them, because ultimately, if we want what's best for our kid, what's best for our kid is that we heal from those things and process those things. And so it was good for me to remember okay, what, what is this thing that I really want? What is most important to me? And again, when I became a stepmom, okay, what is really important here? The idea of what I thought my co-parenting relationship would look like with my husband's ex um, or what I thought my relationship would even look like with my stepkids, that's not important. The important thing is what's best for them right now and in the future so that they can feel the most at peace and be kids. Oh, I love that perspective. And <laughs> I just keep thinking about something I read on your social media posts. 
it was a post maybe a few weeks ago, but you one line in there said, I'm grateful for what my divorce has given me. And I wanted to ask you about that. Like, what has your divorce given you that you're grateful for? Okay, so <laughs> the thing that always comes to mind when I think about my divorce is I've been given this gift of learning how to love people in a new way. And have really realized that there are so many different ways to love people. And while I knew that before, it's been even more prominent in my life now. I went through an experience with Steve, with him being gay and all of these things, um, that has allowed me, first of all, to love people in my marriage, like realizing that I get to love this man in a new way that I never thought I would. I never thought I'd be married to a gay man and that we would stay married for as long as we did. Um, and so there was a new way of loving just in that moment. And then being able to go forward in our divorce and love differently. And then again, loving Matt's kids in a new way, my, my stepkids. And then also how I feel about his ex-wife. I mean, I care about her genuinely because I want what's best for her. Do we get along all the time? No, but that doesn't mean that I don't want what's best for her. Um, and so it's just all of these new ways of loving. And that is what I am so grateful for. It's given me an opportunity to love a demographic of people that I never thought I would be involved with or that I would understand. And now I understand, I feel very intimately uh, and not all of them or all of their experiences, but I do understand the pain that can come with just trying to be true and authentic to who you are because you identify as queer. Uh, and so it's been this great blessing to me in my life and that I've been able to show my daughter that she gets to live the life she wants to live. We are going to love and support her no matter how that looks. If it looks the same as me, if it looks the same as her dad, if it looks different than both of us, we don't we don't care. We just want her to live a life that feels true and authentic to her. And by having this relationship with her dad, she really gets to see that, that we are very different and we live life very differently, but it doesn't matter. We still love and support each other. Um, and so that's, that's a gift we get to give to her in that process as well, that love and acceptance of people. And it's so cool. I just had a question because I'm thinking about the population of clients that KJ was referring to in terms of mm -hmm. people that are on the verge, right, of kind mm -hmm. of whether that's divorce or leaving a committed partner or or whatever, leaving something um, that they had a high expectation for that they thought would last a long time. So what would you say to that population of people, those people that are on the verge and they, they know that they're probably going to make a choice to kind of break that connection. So one of the things I always tell people is the best thing, because most of the time it's fear around what's going to be, what it's going to look like for their kids. That's the thing I hear over and over again, which is what my concern was too, going into that. And I always tell them the best thing you can do is do what is right for your own mental health. If that means staying in this relationship and figuring it out, great. If that means leaving, that is just as important for your kids. Uh, staying in a situation where you are not showing them a healthy relationship or where you are not taking care of your own mental health doesn't serve them. And so the best thing you can do is take care of yourself throughout this whole process. Not that you're going to neglect your kids or whatever, but that you are addressing your own mental health and being realistic about that, asking for help and support where you need it. Um, 
I really just encourage people to do that, to really be in tune with it, what it is they need, because that is what's going to benefit their children. It's going to help their children uh, to see that that's a priority, to t that taking care of themselves is a priority, just as their parents were taking care of themselves, even through going through a divorce. So that's that's my biggest thing. And honestly, when you take care of your own mental health, it's going to improve your relationship with your ex. Um, it still might be hard. It still might not be ideal, but it will improve that relationship because you are going to know what works for you and your children throughout that process. How did you work through that betrayal trauma? Like you had done, it sounds like so much work in your marriage to kind of work through, you know, your husband being gay and maybe feeling some of that, I don't know, rejection of him not being attracted to you in that way or things like that. And then he had an affair and that brings on betrayal trauma. And so how did you kind of work through that to get to a point where, I mean, I think a natural response could be to hold on to that resentment and to just keep it there and be triggered and have that maybe put like a bad taste in your mouth for him or for, you know, that demographic of individuals or, you know, it's something where you can just push that shame onto others. So yeah. Or just men in general. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yep. Um, so one of the things that I really focused on was that this is not about me. The, the things he's going through, the affair, it's not about me. And I really just tried to hold on to that thought uh, and focus on that, that this doesn't impact my own self-worth. This doesn't impact who I am, who I know I am. Um, it doesn't mean I'm less worthy of love or anything, it just means that he was going through something that I can't take on myself. Um, and and this started before I knew he was gay because he, when we first got married, well, right before we got married, he's like, hey, I wanna tell you something, I, I really struggle with pornography. Like not just occasional viewing of pornography, um, but consistent since he was like 10 or 11 years old viewing of pornography. And he's like, I've gone to counseling for it and whatever. And I, I've always been so scared and carried the shame to tell my, my future wife, my partner. And I remember thinking at that point, I can make this about me and about how, you know, well, I, I must not be enough. And I know that's a very real thought and one that's hard to get over. Um, I've worked with a lot of women who have husbands that deal with pornography issues uh, and it's real and I get that but for me it was just so important for me to focus on the fact that this was not about me this was his own thing that he was struggling with and I can be here to support him in that and help him take away that shame and recognize and see the good in him um, or I can bring us both down in the process and it, I know it's hard to get there and it's hard. I also made it a point to focus about the things that I struggled with or that were my things I needed to improve on because we're getting a divorce. He's not the only one that's at fault here. 
I made mistakes along the way too that he showed me grace for in the process. Uh, and I hoped he continued that grace. I really hoped that he would continue to show me grace as I made mistakes throughout our divorce. And so did he. And so I really focused on that, that I'm going to make mistakes. I need to show him grace in those mistakes. And I also need to understand that I chose to stay in a marriage. I chose to stay there when it was hard, when it was comfortable. And so I need to own that just as much as he needs to own the fact that he had an affair and all of those things. Um, so me, it was very much taking ownership of my actions and re recognizing that this was not about me. There's, it wasn't. Um, and most affairs probably aren't. I mean, sometimes there's a lot of damage that's been done in the relationship, but it's still not necessarily always about you. And so recognizing that and, and keeping your own feelings of self-worth is a huge part of making it through letting go of bitterness and resentment and anger and recognizing that that's not going to serve you at all. Figure out how to let him go. Figure out how to set up boundaries that work for you because that's super important to protect yourself as you continue forward and, and figuring out how much you let this person in continuing forward. So I, those are the key things that have worked for me in processing that and letting go of that. Yeah, you just really outlined the key, I think, sometimes to working through trauma is like finding those negative core beliefs of I'm not enough or this was about me mm -hmm. and healing that to be, you know, the opposite. I, I am enough. This isn't about me. So you've had these really big events happen and then you start dating someone who you mm -hmm. then decide to marry and then you've already been co-parenting with your ex and now you're co-parenting with your husband's ex. So can you just give us kind of a, I guess, bird's eye view of what co-parenting looks like for you and how you navigate that? Yeah. Uh, so in the beginning of our marriage, mine and Matt's marriage, I was way more involved than I am now and very much took on the roles of a mom in our house. Not that I was trying to replace their mom or whatever, but I was trying to show up for them basically how I would my own daughter. And the, and the kids were little at that point. They were little. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Penny was three, almost four when we got married. So that would have meant his kids were five and six. So they're all little and need help and not doing things on their own. You know, I, I was picking them up from activities and dropping them off and taking them to schools and making all of the meals and all of those things, um, which I was happy to do. But as I got further and further into those things, it was creating more and more conflict with Matt's ex. And I, it was so weird to me <laughs> that even sending them lunches to school was a cause for contention. Like she was showing up and checking their lunches every day to see what I was putting in them. And I, and there wasn't hot lunch at school. So I had like, somebody had to be making them lunch. And so after those things started coming out and started being issues, I really have stepped back. And I know that I get judged harshly for not showing up for my stepkids the same way I show up for my daughter. 
And I think that's a big disservice we do to blended families is that we assume it's all going to be the same. And sometimes that works great and it is amazing. And I totally look up to those families that that's how it is. Like that is so wonderful. But also I look up to those women who are courageous enough to say, you know what, this isn't serving my stepkids. This isn't serving my husband. This isn't serving his ex. And I have to step back. And so like, my kids don't need to deal with the stress of their mom showing up to check their lunches every day because I'm making them. So now if they're in a school that has a hot lunch, they take hot lunch or they make their own. And, or Matt needs to be in charge of that. I have taken a lot of what I used to take on and pushed that back onto him. And that was hard for him at first. It was really hard because I think he felt like I was giving up on his kids or that I didn't maybe want to show up for them. But then after he started seeing the difference it was making in the relationship with his kids for me, like between the kids and I, and then the relationship with him and his kids and the relationship with his ex-wife of realizing, oh, this is creating less moments of contention, less moments of, you know, getting called out for things, um, getting in trouble because I, I did the wrong thing or I said the wrong thing. And so the more I have stepped back the better our relationship has been. And it's not what I wanted, but it also is what I wanted because it's good for the kids. And so it's co-parenting at this point with Matt's ex. I'm not involved. I don't engage with her at all. Um, I mean, I'm friendly when we see each other at sporting events and musical performances and all of that. Like definitely, hi, how's it going? Like that type of stuff. But um I mean, like we, we pick up and drop off in the church parking lot every Sunday before and after church and people don't approach cars and don't come into the church building or don't leave the church building. It, it's that type of relationship and it's hard, but it's also so much easier than it was for everybody. So it's far from what I had imagined when we first started out. I, I would call her when I had the kids say, hey, let's meet up at the gym. And we would work out together while the kids played in like the little kitty area. And I would say, hey, I'm going to the pool. We'd love for you. And she had another daughter at this point. We'd love for you guys to join us. And she would show up at the pool and we'd hang out. Um, and I all of the scheduling would go through me because I'm the one that's picking up and dropping off kids. And at some point, she got very angry at me over a scheduling thing that I wasn't even, I didn't realize it was a big deal. Um, she started calling me vile names in front of the kids when Matt would pick them up. And so at that point, I realized, okay, we've got to drastically change this. I can't be involved. And so it's okay to do that. To those stepmoms out there, my heart goes out to you that are feeling that, that are that feel bad for stepping back. They want to be involved. They want to help. It's okay to step back. It's okay to create those boundaries. I was also giving up a lot of the relationship with my daughter. Um, and not being able to show up for her because I was trying to show up for everybody else. And I realized that it's okay to show up for my daughter first and then for the stepkids because they're Matt's kids and he is going to take up where I lack and vice versa. So anyways, that was kind of like a lot in one, but that's the general overview of what our co-parenting looks like. I'm not really involved with the things that Matt's kids do. I show up for everything that I can, but it's not like I'm I'm sending them lunches like I do my daughter. I'm not picking them up and dropping them off from school like I do my daughter. Like those are responsibilities that are Matt's because he is their parent. There are different rules in our household because 
I don't enforce the rules the same with his kids as I do with my daughter. And so it just looks differently. Uh, and we've come to realize that that's okay. I mean, it's almost like we parallel parent kind of in our own home as well, not just with his ex-wife. Uh, so, yeah. Does that ever create conflict between your daughter and the stepkids with that? I mean, I think I have younger kids, like my six-year-old and four-year-old are always like, this is unfair. She doesn't have to do homework and all this stuff. And I know it's different, but that is a big emotion or powerful Mm -hmm. emotion within our kids. So how have you, if they have experienced that, how have you helped them through that? So from a very young age, I've just told Penny, I've told her like, this is just how it is. You are going to have some different rules than your step-siblings. And I know that doesn't always seem fair and whatever, but I am your mom and Matt is their parent. And we are going to do what's, what we each individually feel is best for our kids. And she's most of it's been pretty logical stuff and she's a pretty dang logical kid. And so she sees it. She's like, okay, I can see why this is the rule that you have and why you're enforcing that compared to why you feel like it doesn't serve, you know, my best interests. So there's been things that have come up um, that for sure we've had TED Talks around and things like that. And it's interesting because Matt's kids don't so much throw that at us. They take it to their mom and badmouth us there. And it's things like, I mean, I've been told that I buy Penny more clothes than I buy my stepkids, which is true because I buy the clothes for both houses. Their mom buys their clothes for her house and my ex are, and we buy clothes for our house and Steve doesn't go take her shopping. I do that because that's something we enjoy doing together and we don't care if clothes go back and forth and we're open with all of that where clothes don't go back and forth with the other relationship. And so those are things that, you know, once we've explained, especially to my stepdaughter, she's like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. Like I get it. And so it's just having the conversation, I guess, is really what has helped of just being honest about it. This is why it's not that it's because we love any of you differently or less. I should say it's not that we love you less. It's just different how we show up and what we can do depending on the relationship. And so they've all been pretty good about it. I know my stepson still struggles with that um, and won't talk to us about those things. But what we've come to realize is no matter what we do, we're going to get bad mouthed and we're going to get thrown under the bus. And so we just have to do what works for us and trust that it's the best thing we can do for our kids in the moment and um, stick by that and not regret the decisions we've made. If it doesn't work, we pivot, we learn, we try to do better. But for the most part, it's just recognizing that you're never going to win sometimes. So you just have to do what works for you and what feels right for you and hope that the kids see that down the road, that they come to understand, oh, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) So, and as teens, we've started to see that now that they're like going, oh, this is why they've done this for all these years. And, and it's starting to sink in that they're getting it and like, okay, you see that light bulb flicking on. And hopefully as they continue forward into adulthood, they will come to even understand those things more. Well, it sounds like you really have come to trust yourself Um, Like I imagine going through all of these experiences, there are a lot of outside judgments and a lot of outside voices and a lot of perspectives on, well, you probably should have done this in your marriage or you should Mm -hmm. have done this during your divorce. Um, 
but it sounds, and that's something you have to heal from as well. And to go through all of that, I mean, are you finding that you really can trust your gut and how you want to parent and how you want to co-parent and not worry about those outside perspectives? Yes. So I figured this out from a very young age and it just has served me so well as I've gone through all of this. And I am very much the type of person, and this is what I encourage people I work with to do, is to silence the noise of everybody around you, of what you think it should look like. I don't even want people to say, oh, well, she's doing this, like following my example. Yes, if you feel really drawn to what I'm doing and it resonates with you, then lean into that and go for it and see how it works for you. But tweak those things that don't work. I I really get introspective when I'm having those big feelings, um, whether they're deemed the good feelings or the bad feelings, whatever the feelings are that come up, I really embrace those and try to deal with them and process them on my own before I start letting other people in because I want to know what I feel and think about it. Not that I, I don't value other people's input, but I am very careful about whose input I value. Um, even like with my mom. She's very much, well, so-and-so needs to fix this to make it better, and they need to do this. And so I'm very hesitant to tell her things in the moment because I'm the one that needs to process and know what I want to do in this situation. I can't go say, hey, you need to change this for this relationship to work because that's not how it works. I'm not here to change other people. I'm here to take ownership of my actions. So I very much process things as much as I can. I bounce things off my husband. Uh, but very much process in my own mind so that I know what it is I want and feel like I can stick to that. And if I continue forward and I'm like, oh, that was that didn't work, then I accept that. I reevaluate and I humble myself and say, okay, this was not the right thing. And that's where I feel like the bold action comes in. That's why I always say that is that being bold is not about being loud. It's not about being in somebody else's face. It's not all of those things that sometimes you think of being bold, it's about being true to who you are and acting on it. We get so scared to act. And so we we will have this feeling for weeks, years, months, whatever, in our head that we know we need to do, that we know this relationship or the situation isn't serving us, but we don't take action. And so I'm very much of the mindset that I'm going to listen to myself and take action on that not that I'm mean or aggressive or whatever in the process, but but also I don't want to be mean to myself. And so I, I really listen to what it is I want, silence that noise from other people, and then take action. I think it's so interesting because I know that we're interviewing you about like divorce and about co-parenting, but I feel like we're getting this really powerful undercurrent. It's like a whole other message that I think is so important for people to hear And that's exactly what you just said in terms of quieting the noise around you. I mean, we talk about that a lot in therapy, you know, like, (laughs) yes, we talk about, you know, like, what narrative are you listening to? Whose voice is that? You know, should we name Mm -hmm. that voice so we can separate it from yourself? Like, we do tons of that, as well as I think another key point here is when something doesn't work, you say, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to move forward and take action instead of what a lot of us do, which is holding on to it, blaming Mm -hmm. ourselves, feeling guilt, 
feeling so guilty that it propels us to freeze, right? Yeah. And not move. And so I think that is such a great message that you're spreading right now about taking action, listening to yourself, silencing your environment, and overall just being kind to yourself yeah. and trusting. I think that is, I mean, what an amazing and inspirational message that you can share with people about how to move forward with confidence. Yeah. Well, and I think one of those, two of those things I thought of when you were talking are, first of all, the more you listen to yourself, the more you hear yourself talking and realizing, oh my gosh, this is one of those things I actually need to act on. This is important. And so you can take that action more quickly and in a way that you're not stopped by that fear or that guilt. You're like, okay, it's okay that I'm pivoting right here. It's okay that I'm switching the way I was going um, and being humble enough to accept that and then bold enough to move forward. And then another thing, that story that we tell ourselves, and whether that's an outside narrative that you've been told and now you've taken on and made a part of your life. One of my vivid memories of this was we were trying to think how far into our marriage. It was at least four years and my second marriage. And I was in the thick of just feeling like crap about my role as a stepmom. I was beating myself up and was literally being beat up about it. And I had processed through a lot of things, but I still wasn't okay. I still didn't feel my worth in that role. And I remember I was out running one day and I'm running along and I'm like, what is it that I'm telling myself about this? And I, I was telling myself I was a horrible stepmom. I just like, that was the narrative in my head. I thought, okay, I, I understand where that's coming from, from an outside perspective, but what is it I really believe about this? Am I really a horrible stepmom? Like, let's logically go through this. <laughs> and I'm like, I give these kids their own space. A, like, they each have their own rooms. They have their own space that they get to do what they want with. Um, and that is so important to me that they have that. I make sure they are fed. I try to make meals that I know they'll like. I try to show up for them wherever I can. I am giving up the things that I thought I wanted and needed to make sure that they are okay. And so as I started going through this list, and yes, there are plenty of mistakes and things that I have done wrong and learned from and continue to learn from, but at the same time, I'm not a bad stepmom. And when I started switching that narrative that we carry in our head, it really made such a huge difference. And that was a simple thing but also hard. It was just this one thing that I needed to really focus on. And I still come back to that of when I start beating myself up or feeling guilty for setting a new boundary or any of these things, I'm like, I'm not a bad stepmom. Remember these other things that are good. Remember that you're learning and growing and just going back to that and focusing in on that. What an amazing like takeaway from everything you've been through to have that emotional awareness to like assess what's really going on and what is deep underneath the stuff that you're thinking and feeling and allowing yourself yeah. space to process through that. And I think that is what's so cool about your podcast and your message is like life can throw some crazy curveballs, but like you have the tools within yourself to work through those things. And it's all about like, listening to yourself and finding that inner strength to really like get to know yourself, which can be scary, yeah. 
on a lot of levels, <laughs> but so, so good. So healing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, we could probably pick your brain all day, <laughs> but we, we should let you go at some point. But I know that you have so much to offer people. And so if people want to learn more from you, where can they find you? Yeah, so we are very active on Instagram at husband-in-law. And then on any podcasting platform, you can find our podcast, Husband-in-law. Just type it in and you will see our three smiling faces staring back at you. Um, And then also one of the things that I was just thinking about as we were talking about this, I do have a, so I call it a Bulldology journal that is very key in just helping you make these mind shift changes. It's super basic. It's a great place to start. Um, And so if you're listening to this thinking, I want to make some of these mindset changes and getting to know yourself, it really encourages you to get to know yourself. I'm always telling people that I work with, I'm like, I don't want to know what you liked to do 20 years ago or what you thought brought you happiness then or whatever you need to know now. Like you've been through all these things, even in this last year, things look so different from what brought us joy before to what brings us joy now that you have to keep continually getting to know and understand yourself at this season, at this place where you're at. So it's a great, simple tool to use to get to know yourself. So you can, you can find that in our Instagram uh, bio and wherever you may find me, you'll be able to find a link to that. Yeah, I will link all of those things in the show notes. So just scroll down on the episode and you'll find Jessica. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was like, I'm just going to listen back when I edit this and just make note of all the gems. I know I'm already like, I want to re-listen to this. I need to like, (laughs) I need to go over all of this again. Well, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Bryich from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.